Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quadrant 4 Politics, the podcast where we discuss politics from a libertarian and conservative standpoint. Uh, today is a little bit of a special episode. We have a special guest with us. His name is Jack. Say hello, Jack. Hi. Uh, let me see. I'm Riley. I'm your host, along with my co-host, Matt. Say hello, Matt. Hello. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. So are you the host and I'm the co-host? That's fucking right. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm the leader of this band right oh. now. And uh, we were, we're thinking about names for this episode. We were thinking Matt and Riley jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's, it. That's the name of this episode. Is, uh, or, or Matt and Riley jacking around. <laughs> Be perfect. Um, so, I think that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, let me see, there's a couple things, uh, the, the reason why we wanted to do this episode where we're talking to Jack is because he had a very, uh, interesting kind of, um, political transformation, I'd say, something that both Matt and I think are, uh, it, we, we both are interested in different parts of it. Uh, Jack, I won't put words into your mouth, but you would say that you went from a atheist conservative to a Christian libertarian, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good description, yeah. Uh, how... Somewhere tell us a little bit about like how you started where you ended up and how you got there yeah well let's see okay i guess um i'd say it really started about 10 years ago uh when i was 17 um and actually it uh it's, it really did start with it was let's see it was independence day 2009 oh, and uh, of that course memory. of course <laughs> it was yeah uh independence day of course and uh, i actually started with um, wanting to write a book, and I, I can I can plug it later. But I, I started a, a sci-fi uh, fantasy story as a way to kind of um, you know you know at that age when you're 17 and you're kind of figuring yourself out, starting to question things about the world or what beliefs you grew up with or your values or perspectives. And um, in that spirit of independence, I was just sort of I think in, in writing and in fiction, exploring those kind of Meta narratives and uh, everything from politics to religion or spirituality, and um, and so with that, over the years exploring with the writing, uh, I found my political and religious views changing. Um, so I think those were kind of wrapped up together and uh, and kind of accidental. I think just as through that growth process, I came to different conclusions. You know, by the end of that experience. So good deal. Um, so. Uh... How did you start off as a atheist Christian, or a, a, a <laughs> <laughs> forgive me, it's late, as an atheist uh, Republican? Like how they, those things don't fit together super great. How did that start? Yeah, it's interesting. I I I, I was, you know, um, I think just raised in very, you know, uh, I don't know, focus on the the world in front of you, uh, you know, very much a focus on survival or survival of the fittest or how to you know how to live in this life and I think um, honestly probably my, my main bent uh, on, on politics was being pro-war uh, I think yeah, I remember my, you saying you were a hawk yeah I was very hawkish and I think probably because I was a kid 9-11 scared the crap out of me and so yeah. I, from that point on I was raised with a very kind of pro-authority pro-order um, societal order but particularly um you know, uh, this idea of, of yeah, pro war on terror, very hyper patriotic, very kind of, um, you know, let's go out there and shoot the bad guys first. And, you know, kind of if you have to kill the hostage, 
oh well kind of thing you know <laughs> like that that mindset and um and uh that that drove me for a time uh and then i think with so the first time i got really got the vote was yeah 2010 and 2012 and uh i think when when obama won the the republican shift was you know under bush it was the pro-war hyper you know patriotic and in my case i think na- i had very nationalistic views in fact i even um on my binder at school in high school i had this world map on there and i remember i drew it where i i had the outline of the united states and uh, it was filled in one color and it said us right but it kind of looks like us yeah and then all the rest of the world was filled out a different color and it said them <laughs> i was literally like an us versus yeah. them mindset it was like are, you know whatever america's doing i'm pro america pro uh-huh. everything in our history everything i would just defend america against anything do that attack. see i'm kind of i'm like that in a different way right now as in like i only care about what's going on in our country everyone else can go fuck themselves you know they can <laughs> yeah. govern themselves we don't need to be the police of the world oh yeah if, yeah if i wanted to leave everyone alone except i was like no america must conquer the earth and be it's you know it's it's a uh, you know yeah that kind of neoconservative very very interventionist mindset are you like uh, that at all matt I, we've never really talked about like the military action with you would you consider yourself a hawk Mm, not a hawk but i think we talked about it a little bit one of the questions we did in episode zero uh i was just reading back on it was uh, sometimes it is necessary to break international law for the good of the country or whatnot and i think my answer was agree because what is international law yeah and um ultimately i think it is important to protect the homeland and uh i would say i'm pro-america but i'm not uh what about the war on terror was that a waste of money well the war on terror was a response to you know a devastating situation in which you had every senator and 434 out of 435 representatives voting yes for it i don't think that was anything that anybody thought was out of the question how it developed over time is different and i'm in retrospect i don't think i'm uh you know i was kind of young to now have some view on it but if we are attacked i would say yes we take action i um think as americans and as citizens of this country you know it's not bad to carry a little bit of pride for your country and to want your country to do well yeah so i um i don't know that i'm a hawk i'm i don't know I'm not pro-war for the sake of war. But like a, a self-defense mindset, you're thinking, right? Like a, a self-preservation, yeah, yeah. yeah. in response um, to that kind of mindset. I guess I wouldn't say I would never be for a preemptive strike, but it would have to be very well justified. Um, but I don't make those decisions, but... Uh, you know, I support or you don't not have the big red them. button. I don't it's have not the in your room now. somewhere. <laughs> um, but under uh, a pile of clothes. one of the one of the other uh, shut up, <laughs> one of the other uh, questions was I would always support my country whether or not it was right or wrong, and I believe I answered agree to that, and wow. not that I would necessarily agree with what the country was doing wrong, but I would still be proud to be an American ultimately. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't mean that it would be happy our country is doing things that are wrong. Mm-hmm. So, so get, getting back to Jack, what were the uh, 
what were one or two like really big things that started changing your mind? <sighs> yeah, you know, okay, so I guess so Bush era, you know, high school and stuff. I remember arguing with classmates about the war stuff and um, and uh, you know, at the time it was Democrats who were anti-war and I perceive them as being weak or giving into you know, terrorists or being too soft in some way. Um, uh, and then interesting, interestingly, when the, the flip happened, when Obama and the Democrats won, um, suddenly the Republican focus was less to do with war and, and more to do with, the, you know, there's like the Tea Party wave, 2010, 2012, like limited government. And, and that's when I kind of became more informed about, you know, how, how and why to stop things like socialism or these big government programs, Health Care Act, all that. Um, and and I, I feel like it's ironic in that it was Republican, uh, you know, mindset or ideology during the Obama years in resisting, you know, kind of suddenly kind of becoming more anti-authoritarian in their language, resisting government and the federal government stuff that that um, that they helped me um, uh, start questioning government in general. Right, because uh, before I was very pro government, pro America, pro war, and it's only seeing the, all the other ways in which government failed to achieve its goals, whether it was, you know, fighting the war on drugs or, um, you know, the the welfare state or the various ways in which people have been further impoverished or hurt by certain government programs and policies, especially domestic ones at home. That opened my eyes and started making me go, okay, wait, wait, what what else is government not doing well you know and um and i think even at the time ron paul was a, a big door opener for me like he has been for many kind of libertarian yeah. types he was a libertarian moment a little bit yeah certainly is and because it, this is a guy who was you know pushing against his stuff during bush of course but then i think i didn't take him seriously or pay attention to him until um the obama years uh probably 2012 when he was in the primary and so forth um just because it was so different and it it you know, I think when you're in that uh, kind of echo chamber of only listening to the news or people that you already kind of agree with or in your camp, it takes someone coming into that world or bubble saying things that are different uh, for you to hear them. Because, you know, if I hear a Democrat, like at the time, being anti-war during the Bush years, I was like, I'm not going to listen to him. He's a Democrat. He's yeah. the bad guy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but to hear a, a supposed, you know, quote unquote, fellow Republican saying, hey, these wars are actually causing this or they're backfiring this blowback our own government is doing you know sh shady things or maybe even furthering terrorism and so forth it, it felt like coming from quote-unquote my side or my team so I mm -hmm. had better ears for it a little bit and so that kind of got the ball rolling and then of course like we talked about I think reading Atlas Shrugged and um, Ayn Rand and kind of further deepening my mistrust of government um, and I think those were the last idols if you will that I sort of had to give up because like I said I grew up without religion um, and so patriotism and Americanism or nationalism was my religion in some mm. way you know I saw a uh, uh, there's a metal libertarian like rap metal band and they have <laughs> a they have a song called Statheist and it's about uh, uh, atheists who worship the state like they they act like they don't have a god but they pray to the altar of, of government you know <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny but, uh, what were you saying what you were saying yeah. about um, 
like when you were becoming a libertarian, which was probably before me, I didn't become a, like, I didn't really pay attention in politics. Like after high school, I was too focused on like being cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it sounds like you were kind of parallel to like what the country was with libertarianism because uh, like yeah. the libertarian candidates weren't even on the national uh, ballots for president until like uh, 2012, right? Like that's when they well, were the yeah. first time nationally I mean, on every... Right, yeah, ballot access was a big thing. 2012 was a, you know, Gary Johnson ran that. But yeah, I mean, 2016, I think, was the big, at least for me... Well, that was me, a big win for us the, yeah, as a party. Yeah, where where everyone had a chance to even vote on some of this stuff. And yeah, and, yeah, and I think probably around 2014, and, that, you know, I was focused on the books too and kind of exploring and learning what I believed through the writing but um um i think probably by 2014 i had just stopped caring about politics yeah exactly i i given up on the republican party i didn't quite know how i felt still about war and other stuff and i kind of stepped away and i didn't even pay attention to the 2016 election until like the last minute like last few months and suddenly i rediscovered libertarianism the libertarian party and i i think the two major um you know planks or parts of the libertarian philosophy I had trouble reconciling earlier on was the war stance and probably the abortion stance. Um, uh, you know, I, I was, I was um, kind of became more pro, pro-life at the time. Um, and then it was only through understanding ways in which one could be uh, pro-choice but also anti-abortion at the same time yeah. um, that, that clicked for me. And then also the war thing, I think, was the last. Were you always um, pro-life? I, I think I... I had leaned that way, yeah. And that's interesting because from a more atheist perspective. But, you know, I, I had contact with religion. I had... Um, well, I mean, it's uh, it comes down I, to a moral thing whether yeah. a, you're atheist or not uh, because, you know, people view it as taking a life whether God says it or not. Right, exactly. Thing, yeah. That has more, as much to do with philosophy and like, even it, science, it, too. It's mad if you were atheist, you would still else. be pro-life, right? Well, or the thing that I that think is interesting about atheists is that if you guys believe this is just it, you're robbing some poor little thing of its only chance to ever that's experience life. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty, that's I think more cruel than if there yeah. was nothing after this. But uh, it's uh, there, there's that show called Review, and the, the subtitle is uh, Life. It's the only thing we have. But is it any good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I basically, the, the final pivot, I think for me was, um, seeing the ways in which I, honestly, I like the way Justin Amash, the way he described the last like 10 years of politics, like perfectly summarized to me what I had been going through and feeling. It was like, okay, limited government. We're going to fight the Democrats or, or big government. We're going to infuse ourselves into the Republican party and change things. And then over the years, slowly all these Republicans turning on those limited government principles, and especially once they got into power and now with the rise of nationalism and sort of the Trump effect and these other things kind of coalescing. Um, I knew, by 2016, I was I knew I was libertarian, became a dues-paying member, and I... You got I, that cool little card. Yeah, I got the card in the <laughs> you mail. You got that bumper sticker. Yeah, I now got the bumper sticker <laughs> as of like last week or two. Yeah, and, and um, it it was it coincided with the this, this spiritual aspect. I think in large part because I, in my, at least in my understanding of, of, of reading through the Bible and um, coming to my own, own sort of perspective on it, I saw it as very uh, interestingly anti-authoritarian or um, almost anarchic uh, message um, in a way. I mean, not only with you know with the early 
Christians, you know, kind of resisting Rome and the state and being persecuted. But this theme throughout the Bible of, of God basically saying, you know, basically saying that government is, is you know, its own idol. You know, people demanding a king or wanting a ruler and turning from God as their ruler, you know, um, these kind of themes come up. And uh, This is where I want Matt to chime in because this, I know he yeah. has a different opinion on this. I expect I'm so. curious. Well, I, I don't so. think he, Jack's wrong. I think... Uh, I think he's got a good point, but there are other things like uh, the, you know, direction to follow man's law, as long as it doesn't contradict with God's law. Mm-hmm. Jesus also says when he's questioned about taxes, he says, "Whose coin, whose face is on this coin? It's Caesar's. Give to Caesar's what is Caesar's." Pretty much saying, you know, taxes like they're not my thing. You know, mm-hmm. you do with your government what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. My kingdom is not of this world so you know two separate planes kind of but i don't think that necessarily makes jack wrong i think it's just two different schools of thought kind of yeah sure or, or the degree to which one could permit government or yeah or well it, it maybe even priorities right like i i see it as almost in some sense not only that uh, scene in particular but some others the uh the, the overall pattern I, I noticed in, in, in reading some of um, you know anything related to the, the state versus you know um, you know whichever uh, group of people at the time uh, yeah exactly like you said this overriding idea that God's law is is the higher law that you know to be good and just and moral is is more important than the the details of the you know the the governing affairs of you know us mortals. Um, but I think in this overall sense, I, I got this impression that, right, the, the kingdoms of the earth, the nations, are in some sense Satan's right now. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, if you want to spice up the conversation, bring in Satan. Um, but but even if, whether you see I'm that literally. Satan at this table, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Oh, well, I, I should tell you, too, in my spiritual journey, my, my brief flirtation with Satanism, which was also, <laughs> yeah, um, a part of that exploration. But. Um, uh, I think because in spirit I saw this idea that people who were pro-authority or anti-authority could also be connected to whose authority are you talking about, right? So when it comes to God, pro-authority, right? The the true, just authority or author of the universe um, uh, who's worth listening to, who's worth obeying uh, versus human authority, worldly authority, governing bodies who are in some sense putting themselves in the in the place of God or seeking to um, you know at least through a lot of history that's what a lot of the kings and pharaohs and the rest do <laughs> yeah I mean maybe yeah maybe not as extreme yet but certainly that kind of leaning where the temptation is you know it's very much it's like Lord of the Rings the ring of power it must it must go to Mordor and be destroyed and and um, those who keep trying to wield government or use it for what they would hope to be godly purposes, even if they don't have to necessarily be Christianity, but their own values of right and wrong, right? Whether it's atheist, socialist, or, um, you know, Christian, whatever, this idea that those who try to use the state or government and use force and violence, uh, uh, you know, effectively have have (laughs) butchered literally their own, you know, um, goals, just like with, you know, 
these other topics we're talking about, like war on drugs, war on terror, like, oh, right, the blowback effect or this idea of turning from letting God sort things out or mm-hmm. the sort of uh, invisible hand of the, you know, market or, you know, the independent decisions of all these, you know, people on earth. But can God not use the government to work things out? Certainly, yeah. And I think that's where you see the um, the the interplay of God implying and saying repeatedly that the state or, or human authorities are invalid and yet using them for his purposes. So allowing them to exist, to, to use them for things like punishment or discipline or to make a point, right? I mean, how many times has he warned people, you know, if you do this, you know, this nation's going to come and, you know, kick the crap out of you. And then if you disobey me here, then I will turn on you this way, you know, and, and um, flood the earth kind of stuff. Yeah. And almost like God's like this anarchist stepping back, watching the, you know, uh, someone, who, you know, someone who could step in and if they wanted to impose order in a very direct way. Right. Uh, and yet who chooses to step back and win people to the truth, to the peace through love, through, you know, uh, showing up and showing us how it's done. Right. And through words and this, I love that even, you know, I, I remember in, in my, my atheist slash, uh, <laughs> would be Luciferian days. I remember <laughs> thinking of, of, uh, of, right the bible you know for one i initially just assumed oh it can't possibly be true this must be things written by man and that's it you know um but people have that impression right of like old testament mean god and new testament nice god but you read both and and there's there's this beautiful balance of the two of judgment and mercy and death and life and i see um i i see this god who is uh um i think i'm losing my train of thought speaking of um, what, what do you think, Matt? Do you have any uh, response to that at all? Well, no? I mean, he's a thing. Well, I mean, like, because do you... Anti-tentory. Does yeah. your religion have any impact on your politics? Um, so I, I think of, mine's like, kind of been... Uh, I think mine would kind of uh, work in reverse of how Jack's has uh, been, which is just how god works you know because he doesn't work the same with any two individuals and i love it and uh but i was uh i grew up in church and i grew up surrounded by conservatives and i was very staunchy and while i would still say i'm more conservative than libertarian i am no longer conservative just for the sake of conservatism and things like loving god and loving my neighbor are more important to me than um, you know, politics. I would rather win someone to the kingdom of God than win someone to the Republican Party. Right, you know, right. I would rather and God people be glorified. Glorif- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I would rather God be glorified than, um, you know, a Republican win an election. Um, yeah, I, I think. That. I, I think that. for me, it just, you know, I on the two sides i tend to be more libertarian than authoritarian Uh, my most recent results on the political compass test show not much i just slightly lean that way i do think government is a little bit necessary um you know i think it's kind of what keeps order and uh we all have to live by a system of rules while we're here on earth um but i don't think we're talking about things that are mutually exclusive we're talking about you know 
what we're doing here on earth and what we're doing in heaven what we're doing in our personal lives and what the government's doing in our personal lives you know yeah um you know it's it's funny matt uh because you you don't identify as a libertarian but if you look at like the li official libertarian party like jack and i are more anarcho-capitalists you know i uh, to the yeah to yeah, more on the so. extreme side but if you look at what the actual party is doing like the people who are actually running for elections and stuff, they're not looking at the crazy stuff that Jack and I are into, you know. <laughs> like they, some of the presidential candidates are, you know, they uh, Adam Kokesh, he wants, yeah, he yeah. wants to abolish a, the government good, and stuff. There's different wings of the party. and But I, I think that if you look at like the official standpoint that you would agree with like 99% of the stuff, what is, what is yeah, that may be. keeping you away from that title? Of libertarian? Yeah. Well, because... Uh, basically what's keeping me away from it is society because society has identified people by left and right mm. and with it's you know on the political spectrum there's the x-axis which is left and right yeah and then there's the y-axis which is authoritarian libertarian yeah people aren't so much concerned with that so i'm not gonna like you guys you mean like general public exactly okay. so when i explain when I tell somebody, like, you know, I tend to be a conservative. Yeah. Or I, you know, I fall onto the conservative side of things. Um, now, I don't say libertarian because half the people don't know what the definition is. And I also mm -hmm. see a necessity for government. But also getting back to, um, you know, religion and my faith. Like, originally I would have, you know, said regarding abortion... It's disgusting. Lock up anyone who does it. Now I've gone to a point that says I still think it's disgusting, but have compassion on the people right. who are in that situation. Um, I no longer support the death penalty because I don't think it's a pro-life uh, thing that doesn't fall under a pro-life umbrella. I and like if that. we're all if, I like if you know we're all guilty by original sin, then isn't that fetus just as guilty as? The person sitting in the electric chair so um my views have definitely changed as a result of my faith in god because ultimately i've been able to understand i've been able to try i've been able to try to look at people more the way i think god would want yeah i love that to look you at know them. okay I'm, I'm i'm gonna pounce here we go i, I love <laughs> this this is what broke me into and it was right that that sense of valuing human life, right, and 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 valuing um, uh, people's choices, freedom to choose, and their voluntary choices, right. Um, and I, I saw in the libertarian the non-aggression principle and a lot of their philosophical under you know. Uh, Men and I are a little bit unclear about that. Well, you, what is? Oh the non yeah, so non-aggression principle. Like I know I should know because I call myself. No, a no, it's no, it's great. I'll, I'll happily explain. Like I'm yeah. just a it, little bit lazy. It, it's, it's basically yeah. It's basically <laughs> saying uh, you know, uh, it's a rejection of the of the use of force to achieve social or political goals. Right. Okay. This idea that force should not be initiated. Mm -hmm. um, force should only ever be used in self-defense or in response to force in an equal measure right kind of like a minimum force necessary required kind of thing um so right this idea that is, so um, this is something that I, I think has helped me see where libertarianism might be the future of liberals and conservatives because if you have these different value groups right whether they're religious or atheist um 
you know, uh, people have their personal values, their opinions on, you know, what should or shouldn't be done with society. And they're all arguing about the should and shouldn't. And I think what, what each side can get caught up in is the temptation to right, use that ring of power or use government to impose their thought of what should be done as a what can and can't be done, right? Um, and, and I think what helped me see uh, with the non-aggression principle and, and the libertarian mindset, even if it's not always clear what degree, right? Where do you draw the line? Is uh, you know the official stance is a limited government and it spells out these very carefully defined functions um, and checks and balances, or right, no government, right? Just pure uh, uh, anarchy and um, but of a peaceful kind, a sort of peaceful natural order emerging. Um, but rather focus on those details. I think if you focus on the the idea that you don't want to initiate violence against someone to accomplish a goal, it's only then that you can see why, uh, speaking of libertarian candidates, why they represent these different wings of the party so well, why uh, Dan Berman is wearing a taxation is theft hat, right? If you see that the entire superstructure, the libertarian candidate who wears big, the big he wears yellow a hat, big he's, goofy yellow yeah, hat, that yeah, says and it says taxation is theft, right, right on there. Um, <laughs> And, and I think w when you see it that way, right, it's like, think think of government as, and this is why I t say to more left-wing liberal friends, I'm like, look, you're afraid of um, anarchy having these corporations or monopolies, right? You're afraid of a monopolistic corporation that could somehow, be, you know, take over the world or do something. And then I read off a checklist and I go, okay, in what way is government not literally that thing right now, right? It has a monopoly on the use of force on any industry gets into it's this giant superstructure who literally profits through the threat of violence when you really break it down i mean everything about government is funded through taxation and when you really stare taxation in the face and define it you understand that it's it's something you're paying for without your consent or at least as the founders probably would have put it um you know taxation without representation in the government is is a great moral wrong and I think this takes a step further and says taxation is wrong, period. Um, but not necessarily that these government structures or, or uh, you know, society organizing itself to create order is wrong, but that um, they should be voluntarily funded through donations or through some kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, means that doesn't involve these, these you know, the non-aggression principle applies to taxes in that if you don't pay your taxes, they put you in a fucking cell right, for the rest right. of your life. You and, and the justification <laughs> has always been, well, this service is rendered, right? Like a, like a company. You know, you don't walk into a store and you grab something off the shelf and leave. They're going to try and make you pay or they might get a little rough with you if, if, if uh, something happens. But I think um, there's this idea that at the very least, right, you want as much representation. Um, in the same way that in the market, you, you're at least in a company, no matter how bad or messed up a company gets, you're always allowed to withdraw your consent. You can withdraw your your money. You can go to a competitor. There's this sense of, um, and, and it holds them accountable in a much more direct and deep way, right? Because, I mean, we see this in our, I'm sure our free market, general shared values, I would imagine, um, that, that uh, good companies and bad companies rise and fall. But, right, they... Um, they're more answerable to their customers because we have the, the power of the purse. We can withdraw our consent in that way. And it's the same for government. It's like if we could withdraw our tax money or at least make it so the government can't just like you know, 
extract it every which way. I mean, you, you break down the taxes too, and you're like, man, it's not just the taxes in my paycheck right now. It's like every product I'm buying has a like whatever percent business tax price rolled into it. Well, we were yeah. literally talking about this the last episode we recorded, yeah. which it, uh, we were talking about taxes, and I explained how about a third of our money goes to taxes, whether it's yeah. what they're taking out of our check, property tax, sales tax, about a third of what we make goes to taxes. And yeah. my, what I suggested was that we should have some more say in where that goes. So, um, certainly, right? Yeah, if it's already being taken from me, you might as well have a say on exactly. what happens to so, it. You know, I think that's yeah. something that, I mean, we would all be happy with at the table. Like, you know, it would, it would still suck that we get text and we can't opt out of it. But if at least we could say where our money was going, like, I don't want to. I don't want to fund ICE. I don't want to fund Planned Parenthood. Right, you know? like a like, like an item list say, breakdown. I want, yeah, I just <laughs> like, you know, right. well, I wanted to go to local school. I wanted to go to the right. military to keep me safe in the I police think, force. You know, and I think where the difference between me and you two is is that I think taxes are a necessary evil. Um, I, I don't think for that on the last. So, I don't. Think, there. I don't <laughs> think anybody's going to pay for the road just because they want to. You know. roads. That's okay. But had the same questions. Parents can you know decide they want some of their tax money or whatnot to go to schools. People who drive can do infrastructure. People who want to have abortions can do Planned Parenthood. You know. And everybody gets to decide where their taxes go instead of it going into this pot of money and then the government deciding how to spend it. Yeah. You know, it would that would be to me more representation absolutely for our taxes. Yeah, and especially if we got to choose how much you know members of Congress got to make. Actually, yeah, these are these know. are all small helpful steps I think that could hold the government slightly more accountable. I think um, philosophically there is there is a, a tipping point at least it was for me because I had all, all the same questions. As I fell deeper into my libertarianism, I, uh, I also not only I think on the on the moral front of what is taxation, how is this structure funded through the threat of violence? You, if you keep focusing on that, you you, you see it more clearly, right? Because if government's so great and can build these roads, why can't it just ask for the money, right? And then I think when you point out to people too, you go, well, they're say they're taking the money for the roads, the schools, the infrastructure, but have you seen the roads, the schools, the infrastructure? Is it are they actually doing the things they were taking the money for? And therefore, this is a sense of like a breach of contract, right? Like, mm -hmm. okay, if they're taking the money because it's this necessary evil, you ask, well, is are they not just doing it for more evil than the good it was supposed to be for? And then, and then I think what blew my mind too was to find out how much throughout history people have been able to privately fund things like roads and schools and all these things we kind of take for granted and assume have to be public um, projects. But I mean, especially if you look at churches and the early churches too in, in Christianity and, and, and so forth, as you saw the, um, the temple structure break down and the organized religious structure break down. Um, and, I, and I think theologically this, this synergy of, of God basically setting up you know, the law and the prophets and the theocracy and the organized structure and the kings and, and so forth, from my theological perspective, precisely to show people that they couldn't have a substitute for God, that their priests couldn't save them, their kings couldn't save them, their law couldn't save them from sin. 
you know um, all it could do was reveal and expose sin for what it was uh, and therefore theologically God basically saying I will be your your leader your source of life I, you know trust in me not in your princes you know um, that uh, you see this breakdown of these structures and 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 uh, a, a loosening of those um, you know I, I guess like you said, necessary evils or these um, entities kind of trapped in their own cycle of sin and sacrifice and a kind of, um, so I, I mean, there's some thematic elements here that, that I'm trying to tie together, but. Matt, do you at least think that uh, some institutions of government would be better off privatized? Oh, absolutely. And which ones would you well, say? Social security, first of all. Okay. Yeah, it's a great one. Right away, like yeah. immediately. Day one of the Mick Reynolds administration. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's dad. Um, and then. Bleep. Um, day one of my administration. Um, let's see. Uh, I the roads? I, I Can we privatize the roads? Um, you know, I. I don't have the not. I'll the, send you the I don't have the notes yeah. right now to think about all of it. What about yeah. education? Um, but it's a good question. It's good that you are asking this, by the way. I mean, keep going. But I just these are all the right questions to ask someone who's proposing to the project. The thing is, right. is though, um, I don't. I'm never going to get real excited about libertarianism like you guys are because, like, that's I don't put my faith in it, you know, and I don't really have my faith in one political party or another mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like you know uh the the y-axis is how much is the government going to get involved and the x-axis is where do your morals lie you know mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i'm thinking about and how much the government gets involved like you know to me is kind of like what you were saying you know doesn't really matter because I don't answer to them. I answer to a higher power, and his name is Jesus. And that's right. an interesting point. Yeah, this idea that like the kingdom is coming, and it's like God saying, "Look, don't worry. I'm going to crush all these, you know, all these fuckers under my foot. <laughs> like, don't you worry. Kingdom's coming. All the nations, all these would be kings or would be gods are are going to lose. You know, and we have that reassurance, right? Christ already, you know, defeated the devil and is. You know, basically, he, he's just trying to, to, you know, it's like a retreating army. And we know we have the final victory. So there's that sense of like, oh, yeah, obviously, aim towards God, do that. I think what took me further beyond that, and I think that's why I stayed away from politics, too, and I didn't really care. Say for the Republican Party, but I didn't necessarily care to focus on libertarianism. Because I remember thinking, a kingdom's out of this world. I, I may as well just wait, not wait to die, but um, not do anything because I'm reassured that right, heaven's waiting or the kingdom of God's coming soon. But then I remember this this theme in the Bible again that was saying, okay, what, show me your faith without works, you know, or show me your works without faith, and, and this idea of, okay, yes, you have reassurance the kingdom's coming, but what can you do right now to show people what that kingdom looks like? Tell them it's it's there, and resist those, uh, you know, rulers and authorities and principalities and forces of darkness that are currently reigning you know yeah and i, I sort I, of I push towards I that i get what you're saying but you know the great commission isn't go spread libertarianism to all corners of the world it's <laughs> no go no spread but spread love spread love right. and, and and the message yeah my, my concern I, with my major annoyance by the way we're at 40 minutes now so we should probably start wrapping it up fine. but my major annoyance with the left right on the spectrum is that it doesn't make any fucking sense at all like it doesn't make sense that yeah. democrats are like if you're a democrat you have you have to be 
pro-choice and anti-gun. Like, that doesn't make any sense because those things uh, are completely right. unrelated. It's like you can't so have any nuance or Yeah, it's like, it, what breakdown. if you're pro-life, or what if you're uh, pro-choice and pro-gun, I like, actually, as I am? You know, it doesn't make yeah, any I, sense that... It's like tribalistic like, and all or nothing. Yeah, it's, and, it, yeah it doesn't, yeah. like... With libertarian, there is a strict definition of that. Libertarian stands for liberty. Uh, left and right, like it's just whatever fuck they want. Right, it's a culture you know? war. Like they choose, yeah, like yeah. okay, yeah. we're gonna be pro-choice, but we're also yeah. gonna be pro-gun. And it's like <laughs> I'm opposite whatever that guy is. He's for that, I'm against it. You know, it's like it's, it's kind of well. Just and you know, getting back to we talked about how faith and politics tied together. And what I found is that the issues that I'm more liberal on are the ones I'm more passionate on. Oh, abolishing yeah. the death penalty, um, mm-hmm. fixing our jail system, um, ending solitary confinement, uh, ending torture. Yeah, those beautiful. are all things yeah. that I am. Well, you know, and then you throw in like abortion and religious freedom, which are things further on the right. But some of the things that I'm most passionate about are some of the things I'm more liberal about. It just happens to be. I tend to agree with the right more often and you know if the libertarians yeah. make it to the you know political stage which they won't but you know if it happens i will we can always hope for them. fingers crossed man. no well and this is the beauty of it something i think larry sharp says that i really love is libertarianism is the only political movement that doesn't require conversion people think how's it possible you're telling me to be a libertarian but what it's really saying is no you can still be a conservative you can still be a liberal all you're basically getting the two to agree on is not to use government to impose those values on one another. You're and welcome think, to have a socialist yes. compound. And I think in- <laughs> right, it's like go, it's like live and let live. It's yeah. basically saying, look, we agree that you know we're different. We're never going to rule over each other. Fifty percent of the country is not going to you know effectively or at least you know without serious problems uh, rule over and control the other half of the country. It's never going to happen. It's like. You may as well live and let live and agree to use your free speech, your persuasion, your cultural values, your ideas to win the day and and live and let live. And that includes for funding stuff. And therefore, you can still have public institutions, but there has to be some kind of um, neutrality established in which they're, you know, very right. So this is the minarchism versus anarchism. And so you get back to libertarian candidates, because the top three right now that I'm paying attention to, I think, perfectly illustrate this conversation they're having right now. You've got your, um, you know, you've got Adam Kokesh who's, who's, who's saying, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to dissolve the federal government and then go through a bankruptcy process, give it back to the states. And then the states in turn may, if they want, distribute it to the local governments and counties. And he's like, I'm ready to throw the ring in the fire and destroy it and, and um, you know, uh, decentralize. And, and his emphasis is not so much get rid of all government. He's saying localized government, right? Like if the local community wants to organize and do something or build the roads here, they can, you know, and, and have basically, he even described, I think like 500 independent little nations in the U S states rights. Yeah. Or even deeper than that, like local, local community. Rights. State, I mean, that it would be independent. Counties, nations. Yeah, basically all the counties, right. Or something like that. And, <laughs> and then, See, and this then, is where right, we turn mad right, off. That's, like, are you kidding well, me? That's, that's the Frodo. <laughs> you know, that's, here's the thing is once, once you establish yeah. libertarianism mm. is this is what I've said. It's you guys are going to be like, okay, we've got it. Government's gone. Now we need to start figuring out how we're going to pay for things. Yeah. And we're going to take a little bit from everybody. Now how do we keep order? All right. We're going to come up with a list of rules. We can't spend all our time doing that. We're going to elect people to do it for us. And then libertarian <laughs> oh, I'm getting there. is gone. All right. Check this out, right? That's okay. So Kokish, destroy the ring of power. Um, Kim Ruff right now. 
she's saying, you know what, let's just get back to constitutional limitations of government. So more of a minarchism, right? Like a, a limited government with function for police, military, courts, right? Basic I order, right? That, yeah. Right. That's the actual libertarian, um, uh, I think, general platform message. But and yet Kim Ruff also says her her goal for society eventually is to reach the more anarcho-capitalistic or, or fully free society. But she understands that there's only so much you can do in the in you know this is a step by step process and it has to be agreed upon at every every stage of the deconstruction you know and that at the least this limited government um, option is there uh, and then and then yeah and of course and you got you know Dan Berman taxation is theft and his emphasis but but these different wings or, or spectrums kind of reveal or then and then you've got you know like the um, uh, you know Justin Amash types who he's not officially libertarian yet but he's libertarian leaning and obviously believes in most of the basic structures of government but clearly wants to um, stop a lot of it or slow down a lot of it um, but point being that so I think where the libertarian party has this alliance is okay society and the size of government is right now on floor 99 right and it's racing towards the top floor and it's going to smash into the ceiling and we're all going to die it's basically the thought <laughs> and all the different wings of the libertarian party whether they want zero government on floor zero or they want very limited government on floor 10 or 20 they're all in agreement like okay look we need to start going down. <laughs> They're like, we're racing up towards the ceiling. Republicans and Democrats are increasingly taking us on higher floors. You know, we're racing up. They're not slowing us down enough. Every now and then a Republican might, you know, slow a little bit, but it's always racing up. And it seems like the, the mutual agreement among the various factions is, look, we need to start going down. We can argue later about whether we should be on floor 20 or 10 or zero. You know, at that point, if, if we succeed in even getting government down to like 20% of what it does right now, like that might be so much of a victory in and of itself that even the anarchists will go home and be like, all right, that's good. That's fine. That's good enough for me, you know? Or, or they may then form their own party that's the full anarchist party, something to try and deconstruct that limited government. But at the least, um, it would prepare society to transition i think more peacefully into what might be an inescapable anarcho-capitalistic future uh partially on the basis of technology and where it's going i mean this idea that we're going to be able to hide our currencies cryptocurrencies it'll be untaxable in the first place so then people can argue all day about what well, it's necessary but it, it'll be impossible you know um, to tax people and they'll have to ask for their money and prove their worth right and, and you may have a situation in which government, we may look back on government like we look back on slavery, where we look back and we're like, how did that go for so long? And how did forced labor, you know, or in this case, forced taxation, why was that morally acceptable back then? How did that go on for so long and wasn't questioned more often? And um, I, I think uh, in order to get to that stage where society's ready to kind of um, reorganize itself and i think here's how it'll happen less by country or land or borders or elected governments but almost like these overlapping kingdoms or or um, services much like companies today right people walk around and they have their own insurance companies or their own whatever and and no one knows you're not wearing on your sleeve you're not like you know required to to vote or register with these companies i mean you just have goods and services provided to you um and you could have people who live in the same area and they use completely different you know um internet providers or you know phone companies or uh you know 
go to entirely different grocery stores and and there's already kind of this, this like overlapping um goods and services and this this like layered society that organizes itself voluntarily i mean people show up to the store and they choose whether they want to buy it and people hear that a company do something bad they boycott it or they they go to someone else you know and I, there there might be this um free-flowing uh societal order that emerges um and maybe not in a utopian sense but at the least one in which power and authority is decentralized uh in which no one can effectively take over and become a monopoly because uh you know it's too hard you know because people can kind of it's kind of like as the state's power decreases the individual's power increases and suddenly individuals can better organize and resist and it also means individuals can cause harm right i mean when you're 3d printing your own <laughs> machine guns and bazookas in your garage <laughs> like you could as an individual go try and do a lot of harm with that but you also have like hundreds of other individuals who can shoot back or push back and do something you know and so that is an amazing thought to wrap up on <laughs> just yeah. everyone having machine yeah. guns that they 3d but yes, printed in, in um, case, uh, painting of a vision of the maybe future that libertarianism might help us transition to safely rather than radically overnight with chaos which i think you you would fear is a chaotic uh you know uh, void in, in the power vacuum and i guess this is this is kind of where i end on is i agree with you guys and i will be fine you know worrying more about that y-axis instead of the x-axis left and right once we get there mm -hmm. but you know in the end people's personal morality is still going to be important to them yeah. um but you know i don't have any really problem with the direction you want to see things go i just uh don't have a lot of faith it's gonna happen because i don't because any system ran by people is just doomed to fall so well before uh we wrap up the show jack you wrote a book please tell us oh, about it. oh yes okay so well all these uh, all my big fat uh political religious musings aside i think in a more deep way i and i think this is always true even on all these subjects, right? Because we talk about them and we kind of reason stuff out and argue it out. But I think people are honestly more changed and moved and motivated by, um, through their entertainment, through their fiction, through... Um, Absolutely. You know, you just encounter something that moves you, whether mm -hmm. it's music or something. It's usually through art that people uh, express or find out new things about themselves. And so I know in my case, writing the book series... Um, it's the first one's called the royal green the royal green by jack casey yes jack it's on casey. amazon kindle <laughs> yes amazon you can get it on kindle you can order a paperback um it's the first book out at least in july uh independence day uh 10 years after <laughs> i started it um you know i've got sequels kind of locked and loaded ready to go but um uh, but yeah i know for me I, I didn't know the answer to all these questions necessarily when i started um and I probably still don't know enough and will always need to learn more and always ask God's forgiveness for not knowing enough. Um, but, but, uh, I know for me, um, it was, uh, it was in writing and exploring these themes with the characters, you know, each one kind of comes to embody some of these ideas, these conflicting thoughts or philosophies. You know, you've got your like blood soaked knight character whose ends justify the means, you know, you know, uh, 
kill and to do whatever you must to protect so the throne. So it's a good read your... for non-Christians as well. For... Oh, I, I hope it has something for everyone who who would pick it up. There's you know I, people I'm, like Riley. Who... I'm an atheist. I'm enjoying it so far. I'm <laughs> good, only good. a chapter in. But yeah, so far no. I'm it. Well, because when I started writing, I didn't quite know what I wanted to think or feel about everything. I was I was generally I think books and those kind of things. They're like this dream space or like this meta narrative or this this almost like a virtual reality where, you know, I think writer and reader both is exploring like deeper parts about themselves psychologically, but also thoughts and views about the world. And you kind of see it manifest in the characters and their conflicting, you know, like I mentioned, this, like the Blood Soak Knight character. And then there's the diplomatic, you know, leader character trying to make peace. And then you have your rebellious, freedom loving, you know, uh, spirit character and, and I think these 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 deeper concepts always manifest themselves through characters and stories, and so um, and I think much in the same way that God uh, speaks to people through parables and stories. I think it's uh, a similar idea. And um, anyway, I, I I wrote the book. I would hope people would buy it and give it a try. It's a great uh, nerdy fun. Uh, there's a lot of homage in some way to kind of like the the tropes of, of the RPG or role-playing genre because I grew up with video games and role-playing games and um, it was kind of like my kind of realistic uh, kind of like magical realism or something take on some of those ideas and I had a lot of fun with it too and uh, and again that was the Royal Green yes the Royal Green Jack Casey yes uh, Check it out. Let me know what you think. Leave a review. We'll post yes, a link please. about it in our video. That yeah, we'll we'll oh, post the Amazon link you. in the thank in the you. comments yes. or in the description of both the YouTube and SoundCloud. Uh, but and that's that's been our show for the day. Was there any final thing you want to say? I, I guess I'll say. Look, whether anyone agrees or disagrees with my personal views, I would like to think the book series would be entertaining for you regardless. So everyone needs try. to open their mind a little bit. And yes. we are yes. going to uh, also have jack with us next week just for our regular round of questioning yeah if you're a fan yeah. of jack stick around we got more thanks <laughs> we'll be doing some more jacking around <laughs> i'm a fan of me <laughs> dude sometimes. i'm a fan of me sometimes, too, sometimes. i'm not <laughs> sometimes, I'm sometimes like, i want to put I'm a like, gun jack, in my you're head. the worst <laughs> and again it'll, Get out of it'll here. be just our regular random questions so who knows what we'll be asking and cool. maybe we'll get a few different opinions but we'll be doing that next week so all right uh cool. thanks thank for you. listening thank you guys uh the uh uh, you can please like, comment, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube and SoundCloud and uh, share us with your friends so we can get some more viewers. That'd be awesome. Uh, and if you have any questions or comments, you can send them directly to us at quadrant4politics at gmail.com. That's the number four, not spelled out, quadrant4politics at gmail.com. And we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.